I love when people find their spot within the church, whether it's serving in some capacity or in the music or in tech or in kids ministry or some other way. I know I'm here as the executive pastor because my gifts are completely administrative. And I love working alongside to somebody whose gifts are visionary and preaching and teaching. It's powerful. And I hope for you, you find that because there's so much joy in that. So much joy in being connected to a church and then using our gifts to serve. But I also know it scares people, doesn't it? It scares people away when you hear that, right? In fact, three pastors got together one day for coffee and found out that all three of their churches had a bat infestation problem. I got so mad, said one pastor, I took a shotgun and fired at them. It made holes in the ceiling but did nothing to the bats. I tried trapping them alive, said the second. Then I drove 50 miles before releasing them, but they beat me back to the church. I haven't had any more problems, said the third. What did you do, the others asked amazingly. I simply asked them to get involved and serve in some capacity, and I haven't seen them since. We do that, right? We get nervous when we think about connecting to a church and serving. What if they find out about me? What if they find out that I'm a, that my past, or, or what if they realize that I'm not a good person, right? Listen, we've just gone through a series about finding that treasure within. And I know from my experience that those people that are connected to a church find a lot of joy in life. Before my time as an executive pastor, I served as a counseling pastor. And I've spoken to a lot of different people going through tough times in life. And one thing I've always found is that the joy that they have, people that have the greatest joy in life are the ones that are connected to the church because they're connected to the Lord and they're connected with others. That's my hope for you. That's why we sing about joy this morning. So over the next week or two, I want to talk about how we can connect to the church and start using our gifts and abilities. This symbol here of connected, that Wi-Fi symbol is a very familiar symbol. It's either the most exciting symbol we see on our phones or it's the bane of our existence, right? If it's only one bar, right? I know I have a son, Caden, our daughter Langdon, and we go hiking. And I remember a while back we were hiking in the middle of the woods and the weather came in and it started to look rough. My son grabbed my phone and said, let's check the weather. And he got so mad because there's only one bar, right? I thought, man, when I was a kid, you know what we would do? Nothing, right? We didn't have that. <laughs> but in order for us to, be, to, to use our time, challenge, and treasures in a church, we have to be fully connected. When we only have one bar, we don't even bother, do we? So in order for us to talk about how we can get involved in serving the church, we first have to be fully connected to the church. So the question is, is what does that look like? What does it look like to be fully connected to the church? I love being in ministry. I love being part of a church. I've been part of a church for over 20 years as a leader. And I, I see so much value in people because in being connected to the church because not only, do again, do they find fulfillment and encouragement from others, but they can see what the Lord is doing in their lives and in the community around them. And that's what I want our church to be. And there's no greater example than the example from the early church in Acts chapter 2. You know, it was right after the time that Christ died and the church started gathering, and we see a perfect example of what it really looks like to be connected to a church. That first church had all kinds of great things going for it, and we want our church to be the same. The first thing that we see from that early church is that they were a devoted church. They were devoted. 
Acts 2.42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. You see, it wasn't just about how they were going through life that, hey, things were going well, so we're going to get together. No, they were going through some tough times, but they still devoted themselves to each other. They devoted themselves to the Lord. That's exactly what the first church did. They were connected in that way. They were fully devoted. It wasn't how they were feeling about getting together or what they had or, or, or the fact that they weren't going through hardships. They connected to the church. They were devoted to the church. John 15, 5 is a powerful verse because it reminds us that I am the vine, you are the branches, right? If you remain in me and I in you, you will what? Bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That early church was connected. Somebody once asked me, as I was ministering to them a while back, they, they said, Jared, can you be a Christian without being connected to a church? I said, I guess so. It's possible. It's like, I guess, a student who doesn't go to school or, or a soldier who doesn't join the army or a citizen who doesn't pay taxes or a, a salesman with no customers. It's like a football player without a team, a politician who's a hermit, a bee without a hive. You see, we are meant to live in community with one another. We were never designed to live isolated. It's a antidote to society because community always builds character, produces growth in our lives. I had the privilege of speaking with one of, um, one of the folks here in our church uh, this past week talking about how they go into the city every day. And I thought, oh, that's exciting. You go into the city, you must feel like you're connected with all these people because there's so many people that you connect with. He said, no, sometimes it's actually kind of lonely because you kind of feel by yourself. Some of you feel by yourself. And when we come together as a community, as a body of believers, there's so much joy there because we are meant to live in community. I was driving by and I saw a hotel sign. And the hotel outside said, three, it says, you only need three things in life, food, shelter, and Wi-Fi connection. And we have all three, right? We are meant to live in community with one another. The early church were devoted to the church, not because of what it was doing for them. It was because of what the Lord was using them and they saw the impact in the world around them. It was a devoted church. Are you devoted? The second thing we see about the early church is that it was a scriptural church. And this is the one I want to make sure that you understand. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, I've been part of many churches throughout the history of my life. And I know there's many churches that that want to just gather people, and the more they can gather, the better it is, but they, they are very surface-level churches. One of the things that drew me to this church is the fact that Christian wants to take us deeper in the Word. They want to take us deeper in the Word. It's not about coming up with, with uh, kind of loose um, uh, topics that we can make us feel good. Some churches do that. In fact, I knew of a church, a mega church, that did that for years and years. They, they just wanted to gather people and, and have this huge church, but they were, they were very surfacey. So they only touch on topics that were, that were feel-good topics. And after a number of years, they came back and said, I, I think we failed. Because we're a mile wide, but we're only an inch deep. One thing I appreciate about Christian is that he wants to take us a mile deep because it's long-lasting. 
And then, then I came to a leaders meeting a few weeks ago where we gathered a lot of the leaders here in the church and I was amazed by people saying they wanted the same thing. They wanted to go deeper in their faith. They wanted to understand scripture more and I thought that's amazing because it doesn't happen in this day and age often where you hear people say, I really want to dive deeper into scripture. Second Timothy 2 says, and the things you've heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses. And trust to reliable people who are qualified to teach others. It's so wonderful. I've been a part of so many churches through my time as a, I led a nonprofit and saw so many churches that were a mile wide and an inch deep. And I'm honored to be part of a church that wants to go deeper. Because God's word speaks truth in our life for every aspect of life. So that first church was devoted. It was scriptural, but it was also a community church. We see in the latter part of verse 42, it says, they devote themselves to what? To fellowship and a breaking of bread. They gather together regularly. Why? Because there's encouragement of living together, going through life. I'm amazed when I speak to people who are going through things, I think, man, you're going through the same thing I'm going through. Your marriage is having trouble just like their marriage is having trouble. Your kids are having trouble just like their kids are having trouble. Your finances are struggling just like their finances. Your health is having trouble with, with struggling with their health. It's, it's the same across. We're just different people. When we come together, there's such encouragement there. It's such encouragement. I love the fact that our church is focused on groups here. And I know Christian and I are talking about how do we get people into groups. And it's not just because we think it's a good idea. It's because that's what the early church did. They, they got together. We have community groups here that are meeting. We have book groups that are meeting. We have theological reading groups. We have grief share, divorce care. There's women's groups. There's men's groups. There's student groups. Christian and I are talking about how to form as we move forward discussion groups where we can come together and just talk about the sermon that was just presented, whether right after service or throughout the week. Why? Because we want to come together. We encourage one another, go through life, share each other's pain, pray for each other. That's why Hebrews 10 says, let us, not, let us consider how we, we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in their habit are of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I was speaking with somebody here in the church, and I said, what do you love about the church mostly? And he said, I love coming together in a community group. I get so much out of it. Yeah, it's a time commitment, but boy, I don't want to miss it. I hope you'll consider being part of a group. Whether that's a group for men or women or students or a discussion group, or maybe you're going through a divorce, you're going through grief, coming together as a group. It's not because we think it's a great idea. It is a good idea, but it's because what the early church did. That's what being devoted really means. That's what being connected to a church really means. They were connected. They were part of a church. They were devoted. They were scriptural, but they were also a praying church as well. It says in verse 42, the latter part says they devote themselves to prayer. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Prayer changes lives. Prayer is what started this church. Prayer is what brought Christian here. Prayer is what brought me here. Because we believe in the power of prayer. I've talked to many folks when I counsel with them and they'll say, Jared, I, I've been praying about this thing and this issue that I've got going on in my life and I just can't sleep. I have anxiety, I have fears, I have worries. And they said, I'm really, I'm praying about it. And I say, maybe it's not your prayer life that's the problem, it's your trust life. Because you can pray all day. 
But if you don't trust that your prayers are actually being heard, then you're gonna struggle with it forever. So maybe it's not your prayer life, it's your trust. Do you believe in the power of prayer? I heard this story once, true story, of a small town that was historically been dry. In other words, no alcohol there. But then a local businessman decided to build a tavern or bar. So a group of Christians from a local church were concerned and planned an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. It just so happens, true story, that shortly after, lightning struck the bar and burned it to the ground. The owner of the bar then sued the church, okay? <laughs> claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible. But the church hired a lawyer to argue in court that they were not responsible, okay? And the presiding judge, I love it, after his initial review of the case, said this. He said, no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not, right? <laughs> It's true. We pray that God's going to do miracles and do things. And then we go, how did that happen? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Early church did. That's why Paul always said in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, rejoice in the Lord always, pray without ceasing. Are you praying? Are you praying for Christian? Are you praying for our, our leadership? Are you... You see, we're kind of growing out of room. We're going to have to find a new facility soon. Are you praying for that? Are you praying for our leaders? Are you praying for God to do great things? And when we do, it's a great thing that happens. And the early church saw this too because it was an awe-inspiring church as well. Look at verse 43. says this, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That word awe is translated as Phobos, it means to fear and to tremble. It's, it's a reverence for how powerful God is. When we pray and we believe in prayer, then we see great things happening. A lot of people look at God as somebody distant. The early church said, you know what, you know, God's going to intervene in the affairs of this world, and a lot of things are going to happen. Right after this happens in, in Acts 3, what do we see? We see Peter, he, he heals a lame beggar in the very next chapter. Was there something special about Peter? Did he live like a perfect life? No, he used his natural abilities and God added his supernatural to Peter's natural abilities to make him supernatural. He was an ordinary guy that God used for extraordinary purposes. He looks for ordinary people like you and me every day for extraordinary purposes. He's not looking for the people that are perfect. He's just looking for people to be used by God. You remember Peter. Peter's the one that denied Christ at the, at the cross. Remember he denied Christ three times and the rooster crowed. He denied Christ. He was the one that was walking on the water and, and, and saw Jesus at a distance and started to doubt and he started to sink. He's the guy that cut off that guy's ear. He had a temper. Can you imagine the kind of life Peter led? But yet he was used by God. He wants to use people like you and me every day. Ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. He's not looking for people that are perfect. He's not looking for people that have special lives who have lived holy their whole life. No, he's, used, he's looking for you and me, normal people. That's why John 14, 12 says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me and the works I do, I've been doing, they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. 
God still performs miracles today, doesn't he? God uses people like you and your marriages to affect your spouse or your children. God's using you, kids, to affect your parents. He's using you to speak encouraging words to those that are sick. He's using you. He wants to use ordinary people for extraordinary work. Do you have a sense of awe? The early church did. The early church also was a, was a sharing church as well. Verse 44, it says, All the believers had, were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave it to the poor. Isn't that great? They realized that the, the, the things that they had, their treasures, weren't for them. It was about coming together to impact God's kingdom. It wasn't about getting together as a social club. They wanted to do more with it. They were sharing with one another. One of the things I'm learning here at the church is that we have a great ministry called Ren Cares. Ren Cares comes along people who are in need and helps them either financially or emotionally. We just, you just heard from Christian going to Guatemala and what the, the funds here that are generated go to the, what happens there, building a school. That's why we, we give up of our time and our talents and our finances. Some of you have been blessed to give beyond belief. Know that the money that is given furthers God's kingdom. Furthers God. we, we often like to see an investment on a return, don't we? Sometimes we won't see it, but you know when we'll see it? We'll see it when we get to heaven and we realize, you know what, the money we gave, somebody came to know the Lord and they're there too. That's powerful. That's what a sharing church is. We need to be sharing. 1 John 3 says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity, how can the love of God be on them? Dear children, let us not love without words or speech but with actions and in truth. Do you believe in actions and in truth? They were a sharing church. I love it. We want to be a sharing church. And finally, and I think this applies for us this morning, is that church was a joyful church. It says in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That's joy. That's joy. They weren't joyful because of what they had. They weren't joyful because of the they didn't have cars. They, didn't, they weren't joyful because of the clothes they wore. They were joyful because of what the Lord was doing. Everyone's looking for joy, aren't they? You see it on commercials all day. Sleep in this bed and you'll have joy, right? <laughs> Drive this car and you'll be joyful. Wear these clothes, you'll be joyful. Everybody wants it, everybody's promising it, but only one can deliver it and that's the Lord. Why? Because the other joys in life are what I refer to as contingent joy. They're contingent on having something or feeling good about something. Courageous joy, on the other hand, is being joyful in life despite the circumstances we're going through, despite what's going on around us. And that's what the early church did. They had joy. You know, I always thought it was funny when somebody would say, man, that's a joyful Christian. Because I thought, do you really need to add an adjective of joy in front of Christian? Shouldn't Christians just be joyful in general? Because we're following Christ. I want our church to be known for joy. In the first service, we had a great time together worshiping, and there was so much joy in here. 
I want people to look at you and go, man, there's something different about them. It's joy. And it's not because things are going so perfectly in your life that you don't have storms in life. It's because of joy. You know, in Peter, 1 Peter, when he's talking to the folks, he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And you think, oh, that's great. But then you remember who Peter was talking to. Peter was talking to the Christians that had been persecuted or scattered all over the place. People that, that were getting crucified and killed because they're Christians. He's talking to people that are, are, their possessions and property has been taken away. But he says, what's their source of joy? It's Jesus. Why? Since no one could take away Jesus, no one could take away their joy. Some of you have had your joy taken from you. You've buried a dream and you've buried your joy. You've buried a child and you've buried your joy. You've buried a family member, you've buried your joy. You buried your career, so you've buried your joy. Early Christians said, you know what, it's not about what we have not about how great things are. It's not about not having storms in life. It was about having that courageous joy. I hope you can have that joy. Knowing that Christ came, who loves you, died for you, has already conquered death so we can have a relationship with him. I've asked Dave. Dave was talking to me this week. He said, how do you think we should end? I said, I think we need to do a song about joy. I think we need to have the neighbors hear that we are a joyful church, Right? So in a few moments, the band's going to come and they're going to they're going to lead us in in a song about joy. It's an exciting song, the song that we can celebrate. Why? It's not celebrating that we don't have pain in life. It's we're celebrating that we can have joy in life. We're celebrating because Christ is already in control; that He's already won. So I'm going to encourage you when you sing that you sing with joy. That despite what's going on around you that you can have that courageous joy. Can failure take away your joy? No, because Jesus is greater than your sin. Can your betrayal take away your joy? No, Jesus will never leave you. Can sickness take your joy? No, because God's promised that whether on this side of the grave or the other, he's gonna heal you. Can disappointment take your joy? No, because though your plans may not work out, you know God's plan will. I love what David said. What did David say? He says, though pain comes in the night, what comes in the morning? Joy. Why? Because we go through pain, but there's still joy because we know that Christ is in control. I love when the disciples were on the boat. If you remember the story, the disciples were on the boat and the big storm comes in. Jesus is sleeping in the boat and they wake Jesus up and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're gonna drown? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus gets up and he's like, what do you mean don't I care? Of course I care. I care so much for you that I died on the cross for you so that you could have life. That's how much I care. It's not about the storms of life. It's about keeping our eyes focused on him. I talked to somebody after the first service who they lost a child and they, they said the same thing. They said, Jared, we felt like we buried our joy. But today we realize we can have joy no matter what's going on in the world around us, that we can have joy. Why? Because we can see what the Lord is doing with us. 
That's why we have joy. That's why we rejoice always. That's why I encourage you to have joy this morning. It's not about going through life and having pain free. It's about having joy because we know what the Lord's doing. And when we connect together as a church, when we're fully connected, we can come together and we can have that that same joy because we can see what God's doing. We can encourage one another. I hope you're connected to this church. I hope you're connected to the Lord. I hope you realize that he loves you and he died for you. And he wants you to come to him. He wants you to have joy in life. He wants his children to have joy. And I leave you with this, because someone once said to me, joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. Do you believe that this morning? Can you believe it and sing with your hearts full of gratitude and praise? That he's already won that he's already won. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you that you've already won, that you've already died on the cross for us, that we can have joy, that we can come together as a church and be connected with one another, that we can see the great things that are going on here, that we can understand what you speak to us in your word about who you are and your promises to us, that we can be a scriptural church and that we can get joy from that. We understand what you're doing, Lord. We're excited for what you're doing. both here in our church and around the world, using us. Lord, help us to be fully connected here so that we can encourage one another, that we can be awe-inspired by you. And Lord, help us to have that joy, not only this morning, but throughout the week. So when people look at us, they'll go, man, something different about them. They've got a lot of joy. We thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for using us in the days ahead. And I ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me now? Let me encourage you. Maybe you want to connect with us. You say, you know what? I really want to connect. That's why we have those connect cards. Love to connect with you. Love to meet with you. You know, as you see, church is growing. And that's the last point of this. Because as we see that they were an awe-inspiring church, it was a scriptural church, that they were coming together in community, we also see it was a growing church. It says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their numbers daily, those who are being saved. I hope people can say, you know what, I want to be part of that church, that joyful church. I hope that people can say, you know, I want to be connected to that church. And as we grow, there's a lot more needs that we have. I want to encourage you this week to be preparing your hearts to say, you know what, we're connected. I want to be used by the Lord too. So walk out of here with joy. Join your hearts. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we can have joy. Thank you that people can hear our joy. Help us to go about our day and our week with that same kind of joy, knowing that you're in control despite what we go through. We come together and we see the awe-inspiring works that you're doing here at our church. Lord, prepare our hearts to be used by you in the weeks ahead. So as we leave this place, Lord, I pray that you send us in your care. Keep us in your peace. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you.